my name is Dr. Justin Alger, and this is the first six-episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. I found college through pizza. Pizza has always been my big thing, and I've shared it so many times with people um, because I sat there as a kid enjoying pizza and really thought about the college journey. Hello, future college parents, moms, dads, and any family member who's helping a student get to college. Welcome to the first six-episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to arming parents like you, our original influencers, with free information and resources to help the next generation of students prepare, choose, and finance college. And by college, I mean any and all education after high school or equivalent, and by parent, I mean anyone helping a young human through schooling towards college. This show is predicated with the belief that anyone can access and pay for college if they want to, and should start preparing as early as the sixth grade. I am your host, Dr. Justin Alger, but you can call me Justin. That voice that you heard over the intro music is the guest of Episode 3, Mr. Pedro Martinez, Director of Admission at Cal Poly Humboldt. Pedro and I first met for the first time recording this episode, and I have to tell you, this is one of the most genuine humans I've met in my higher education career. Pedro is like me, not only by being from a small rural farm community, but he only wants to see students succeed as he clearly has. During the episode, you'll hear Pedro talk about Humboldt State University becoming a certified Cal Poly institution in the coming months. I'm happy to announce Humboldt State University is now Cal Poly Humboldt. Pedro mentions this designation won't immediately change the admissions process, but will add some more academic programs to the institution. Congratulations, Cal Poly Humboldt, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Pedro. Pedro, welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast, and thanks for being here and helping future college parents, and thank you for being one of our first six guests. You are guest number three in our six-episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. Pedro, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for letting me be here and speak to the parents and yourself and answering questions. Absolutely glad that you are here. So if we could start off, can you please share what your role is and and segue into describing in what capacity you support parents and students in getting college and career ready? Yeah, I've actually been in higher education for 20 plus years, and I have spanned almost every aspect of that career that included being an ambassador for a university, a tour guide, a office assistant with recruitment, became a, a you know, was an admissions counselor uh, and, and raised the ranks into administration. And, and now I'm the director of admissions at Humboldt State University. Uh, but within that duty, not only do I help with the students coming in for various different classes from graduate programs to undergraduate programs, I also uh, am responsible for enrollment communications, basically the communications that go to all students and parents as it pertains to what the university is doing um, in various topics from admissions to continuing registration to safety updates, a variety of different things that relate to information that gets relayed to families and students themselves. Um, In addition to that, I also am, I run other programs on campus such as uh, Project Rebound, which is uh, a special program for those that have a formerly incarcerated background to uh, also, other programs that focus on special needs of students and underrepresented student populations. So, various things get kind of um, introduced to me, and I've, I've been doing this for several years and focused on trying to support students achieve their dream of 
academic uh, college success and being able to obtain a degree that allows them to, to live the dream that they want to live each day. So I've been excited to be here doing this 20 years. If you could tell me a little bit about your journey from high school to college, what do you think informed the path that you're on now? I'm born and raised in California. So I came from a small farming community outside of Fresno, California. Uh, that, that town being part of California, which was a small, small community, we had a very small graduating class. And um, during that time in my journey, college was different for us. You know, we lived in a, in a farm labor community. We saw so many students um, go through the journey and try to find opportunities. I had a special journey in junior high where there was a moment in my career that some, some people that I looked up to didn't necessarily see that opportunity for me in, in this type of position. They would never have seen me as a director of admissions. They never saw me in that opportunity because of you know my background, being, being Hispanic and being in a small town. And at that moment, that kind of shattered my dreams at the moment. And I you know spoke to my family and kind of looked at it. My dad was all about education. My mom was one about just achieving your dreams. And at that moment, looking at that, it really drove me through my high school years to do that. And I had, I had a moment there, and I shared this with, with a lot of students and a lot of families. I found college through pizza. Pizza has always been my big thing, and I've shared it so many times with people um, because I sat there as a kid enjoying pizza and really thought about the college journey. And the college journey centered around, there's so many colleges. I looked at, at different name brand pizza companies, Pizza A, Pizza B, Pizza C. You know, all, they all created pizza. They all looked almost the same, but they all tasted different. And it really hit me at that moment that that's what I wanted to do is really learn about colleges and understand the differences between this one college and another college because they all serviced the same type of product, but they did it in a different way. And it helped me understand what I was looking for. And I wanted to try everything. And so I talked to my parents. I wanted to learn more about these opportunities, about going out there and seeing um, what we have in store. And, and so they took me to places. They helped me explore campuses. I had other individuals as I got into my high school years explain that. But all I knew at the beginning was I needed to get good grades. And I needed to start off on the right foot. There was one person from Fresno State that was a young ambassador, young student that came in our freshman year and reiterated just the, the idea, get good grades, get good grades, starting your freshman year and on. And, and so I spent my whole time just focused on that as I tried to learn more about every campus I could think of. And, and as I went through that, I had a long list and I, and I whittled it down and I whittled it down until the point where I became a senior and came down to my big, big opportunities. And I got, I got East Coast schools to admit me. I got in-state schools and big schools, small schools. But throughout that entire journey, as I tasted every single moment that I had on a college campus, I learned something different from each of those campuses. And I learned with my family and I learned about my family and what really made me me. And my decision for a college had to be about me, but it also had to do with what influenced me. And so I learned a lot from that journey on where I would go and what campus I would pick. But at the end of the day, I had to pick the one that best suited me, and it was my alma mater at Fresno State. I went to that that location and I started my degree path there and to become a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher and kind of went that route. But since junior high, when I had that opportunity, 
Um, and it even goes back to even my third grade teacher, Miss Montemayor, which I still can could go to and talk to. She was an amazing teacher, and she inspired me to be a, to be an educator and to be in that pathway. And as I went to junior high and had my experience and the negative experience from it, it really drove my next four years to really drive and to be the very best and to prove everyone wrong that I could do something amazing and could be somewhere. And everywhere, I learned everything I could. I explored everything, and I went through the process. Can you, can you share with us a little bit about Humble, uh, the admissions requirements, uh, the programs of study, and levels of study, these type of things? Yeah, definitely. So Humble State University is one of 23 CSUs in the California State University system. And our admissions requirements are common through all 23 campuses. We basically, if you're a first-time freshman or basically a senior that's graduating, that's going to become a first-time freshman at our campus, we require A through G requirements, which is in, not always, depending on your audience across different states, uh, would not necessarily have that language in your high school. But basically, that's four years of English, three years of math, two years of biological or, or, or uh, other types of science. Uh, foreign language, uh, arts, uh, extracurricular. So there's various topics that we have on our admissions website that explain more. Uh, and currently we're not requiring the SAT or ACT as far as admissions requirements across our CSU due to the fact that not every student has been able to uh, take that exam on a regular basis. And so we modified a requirement to a multiple factor. So we take the A through G, we take the GPA uh, and various other factors that we get from our application data and make a determination if, if you're CSU eligible. Um, and, and each one kind of, each campus is a little unique in some of the ways they do it, but for the most part, it's pretty consistent with GPA and, and, and uh, A through G requirements of coursework. But we also accept lower division students as well. Lower division students are those that are less than 60 units, but are now attending a community college or have other college coursework that don't make them a upper division student, but they're not a high school student. And so they're kind of in between. So we have various ways of accessing HSU through our admissions process. Uh, so uh, basically almost any student has access to what could be in the next few months uh, a potential certified Cal Poly institution. Right now we're just a state university and we hopefully to get we'll get that designation soon, um, which won't necessarily change our admissions process, but will uh, add some different types of programming in the future. So our university has three academic colleges undergrad. We have a professional studies college. We have a um, College of Natural Resources uh, and Sciences, and we have in Arts and Humanities, each of which have various uh, programs in, in, in each of their areas. Now tell me again, what are the, the big six, you call them the big six for admission? They're basically, in California, we have uh, A through G requirements, which basically encompass various high school disciplines, from mathematics to science to arts and so forth. Each category has a particular topic, and we require certain coursework in each of those classes to help students uh, enter the, the campus um, when it when it comes down to preparation. And so we take all of those courses into, into account along with the GPA that will help us build our admissions offer. So is it is the when I look at the iPads data and if I if I do the math correctly, you you accept about 92% of students, is that correct? Yes. So we're very we're very accessible and we've been continually growing our access. Um, in the recent time because we have uh, we've lowered our GPA to a point where it allows greater access to students and we're in a position of growth so we're looking to access even more students um, to our campus through their academic performance. So it's not difficult per se to get into Humboldt at this time no as long as you meet as, as long as you meet these A to G 
requirements. Yeah, we've we've created an opportunity for access. We're we're looking to grow our student population, and when we look to see ourselves expand, and so um, factors being what they are currently have allowed us a little bit more reign to create even more access for students. Um, we definitely want to support any student to try to go through this process. We have admissions counselors that are on my staff that work with families and do constant presentations. So regarding these requirements, and we have those that specifically understand how to work with families outside our, our, our state of California and focus on the different areas that they need um, to go ahead and help prepare themselves. Because like I mentioned, maybe your audience doesn't live in California. Your audience is on different locations of the U.S. Some of these states don't require the same requirements as California does. And so some of the students would not be uh, aware of those requirements. We take that into consideration. So we look at those items and we understand what state they're coming from. And we try to help prepare them uh, to meet all the requirements as easily as possible and ensure that they meet everything. And if it's something that we can quickly suggest, we encourage that. Uh, and many of our CSUs also have other departments just like mine that have a specific branch focused on supporting students that want to look at our admissions process and can actually sit with a counselor or do a group presentation to better understand and ask questions to help them meet these requirements. Because they they, see, they seem simplistic, but they sometimes get a little bit more complicated when now you start looking at your situation. And there's people here in the CSU system in all 23 to help those students and families really understand those requirements. And I think that's the critical piece we walk away from, not worried about what the requirements are because they're unique slightly within each campus, even though they're based in the same foundation. But really, where do I get the support? How do I go get the answers to my questions? And how do they help me go ahead and process these um, items every step of the way? And you know, every student um, that we get, we, we walk through what we call the funnel in admissions. It's, it's a funnel. They go from one stage to the next stage to the next stage. And as they go through it, they have new things that they have to either accomplish or do. You know, when you first submit an application, you've got to send in some documents for us to verify. As you go through that next stage, there is a stage of, okay, now I've been offered admission. I need to go ahead and actually get some other things done, like get my scholarship application, get my other items in as far as any missing item that I need to finish any requirement for tuition, um, any residency documents, anything like that. And so for each phase, these individuals that I talked about are present at each of our campus to help kind of migrate themselves through each of these phases and get to the point where when May comes around, it's decision time and they have to pick that one campus. And if they've selected us, they had they basically would have completed everything that they needed to do to prepare for themselves for registering for courses in the summer for the coming term that they're coming into or if they're in spring doing it in January. So. The biggest pointer, like I said, that I would walk away from, not really worried about the requirements, really worried about making sure you get in front of people that can answer your questions. And that's the admissions counselors or the outreach teams that are available at each of our campuses. And that's great. And to speak to your point about about my listeners, I think, for the show, I'm hoping that with a with a big draw like uh, Pedro Martinez on the docket, that, we, that I draw some California listeners, right? Uh, that that's what we hope, right? And and I do grant that, or I do understand that each state, of course, and each school specifically has their own admissions requirements. But the point that I'm trying to get to is that, you know, I see in the popular media, right? And specifically, I think about the recent admissions scandal. You, you hear of you hear of all of these, or you know, you hear these stories 
where people are, are doing all these crazy things in order to gain access to higher education. And at Humboldt and in a lot of the CSU, and I think it's a mission of the, the public access, right? Um, that as long as you meet these minimum requirements of uh, the secondary education, uh, during your secondary education, then admission is, is pretty much um, a formality at that point, as long as you're, as long as you're meeting these, these basic requirements. Is that accurate to say? That would be accurate. And I think one of the other points that I think many people, when, we, when we're here at our campus at HSU, my team is strategically positioned to help students find that out. If for some reason a student, and this is, this is again, something similar to all of our campuses, is if a student comes to see us and communicates with us and looks at us and saying, I really want to be at HSU. I have a goal to be here. And we look at the requirements. And if for some reason, we see something that is probably going to be problematic in them getting admitted in the fall, that formality. And they, they, they have something that comes up that puts a red flag on us. My team is trained on trying to finding a solution to help get them admissible as soon as possible. So that might be taking a semester not to be here and actually starting in the fall because there's something we can do and prepare, get them regularly admissible. And so there's not the, the need to try to fight to get in here we're preparing the pathway to get here. If we can find the pathway to do it within the term that they're in and they're able to get in the cycle, we will do so. If it's something that is going to take a little bit longer, we provide that pathway of different steps that they need to do. And if they accomplish those steps, they're going to find their pathway in. So even if they're not admissible immediately and they're working with us, we will find a pathway to get them here. And that's, that's I think, something that HSU prides itself on is that we're trying to create access and if you're wanting to be here there's a pathway as long as you're willing to walk that pathway some are not necessarily as easy as others but once we can do that those parents those students feel much more comfortable and know that they're still going to get there but i think the other portion that comes with that as in the preparation is that you're still working towards a degree so even if you're not admissible at that point i still train my staff to make sure that they're looking at the best steps that move forward that help those students, one, get admitted to HSU in the future, but also are still moving towards a degree. So when they arrive here, it's like they did start here with us and continue moving that degree forward so they can still graduate on the, on the schedule they're planning. That's our ultimate goal. And I think that's something that I think many parents um, and students should be looking at is, is to the idea of like, even though I'm not ready for that, maybe I'm not in, uh, prepared to come in directly that there's a plan for me to get that still that obtain that degree in the schedule I need to have it in. Can you can you share some of the questions that that parents and families don't ask that you wish that they would ask about Humble? Oh, what would they ask about Humble? I think um, when when a parent comes on the campus and they're and they're looking at it, I think you know most parents ask, you know, how can I stay connected? And or not, they don't ask how they can stay connected as often as they can. I think they're they're thinking, oh, I'll get that in the future. No, ask it today, and 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 really, really dive into how can I stay connected? Because again, when I think I mentioned it in in, the, in our discussion, is you know staying connected. It's a family thing here. There's a legacy here. There's multiple families, and I think when a when a student decides to come here, and if they're the first one in their family to come here. We want parents to be involved. And so we actually have 
different ways for parents to stay engaged. And, I, and they don't ask those questions when they arrive on campus. They don't ask, how do I get connected? How do I stay connected? What's going on? And there's ways there to do that. Families, when they ask that question, find themselves also looking to become humble state. And I think that's something they, they too can be humbled state as much as their, their child. And we're not saying, I mean, you know, I'm not encouraging the parent to be like, I'm going to go to college here too. No, not necessarily. It's, it's, it's bringing them here to be a part of that experience with them because they're here for four years. They're here exploring, they're here diving into this. And I think with a parent, we want them just to visit just as much to explore and, and, and experience this because that, that child is getting experiences that they probably realize I'd love to share with my family. I'd like to take them to a local restaurant that I love totally. And they'll never get to experience if they don't come visit me. So making that welcomed visit and asking that question of like, what can we do? Where is it for us? It's an unusual question that no family's ever really asked. But I think our tour guides and our, our staff are ready to kind of mention those things and explore those things because then they feel I can be part of that experience too maybe only for a day or two, but it, it can be for me. And, and I really want to encourage that. Um, you know, those are, you would think I'd be saying, hey, they should ask more about our academic colleges and, and so forth. We're gonna give that to the student. We're gonna share that with the student because that parent asked those types of questions. They're gonna have a conversation and say, what do you think? Oh, I like this. I really like that because of X. And this is why I'd love to see you attend there because when I come there, we'll be able to do stuff. So hopefully you enjoy yourself, but we find, we see ourselves coming to visit you more often because how many times do we hear that saying, I'm sending them off to college and they're gone. And then they sit back and they, and they think about they're gone. I can only imagine how many parents like myself, I'm going through it with my young one. She's about to graduate and she's about to go into a college search and go look for what college it may be our campus and maybe another. And in her search and going to do that, I went with her and I looked at the same thing. Where can I come bond with you? Because I'm not, I, I'm gonna miss you as soon as you're gone. The last question that I'm asking everyone is that higher ed and secondary ed don't have a formal way of communicating. Um, so in your role, let's just, let's make you a spokesperson for higher education. So can you provide some advice to secondary education? So, so we're looking at the high schools and so forth out there in the community sector. Okay. So, or are you, sorry, I'm sorry. I take that back. So you're, you're talking about our universities, looking at our universities. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that higher ed, higher ed doesn't talk to secondary ed in a formal way. Now I'm sure you have articulation agreements with high schools and you talk specifically, or you have some superintendents or such that you, that you reach out to or, or communicate with you. But I'm saying broadly, higher ed and secondary ed don't necessarily talk. Yeah. So, you know, when, when it comes out to, luckily enough, we, we talk a lot. Um, we've created, I think, an, an environment that we try to talk more often than not. We try to keep open dialogues. I think, I think our superintendents and our, our counselors and our, and our different staff at secondary education levels and, and can, can, can connect with us at any time. And we create opportunities. And I think most of the time we go in and, and obtain facts information and take back. Um, in our case, and, and I guess I could speak to it because I do try to, to practice this, is try to be in con constant connection with them. Um, you know, I have superintendents directly texting me and talking to me about issues and understanding things. And really the re reason why we do that is simply because we're all of the same mindset. We want our 
our students to excel and succeed. And sometimes there are barriers that get presented, some that are presented to us, some that are surprises, others are unintentional. And they just, we, we discovered them through the, the, the process of, of moving through something. And I really I encourage every um, institution to really just think, connect, connect constantly, figure out ways, chat beyond the basic facts, figure out ways to deliver things. Um, and, and, and at that point, when we deliver those solutions, we're answering those questions for, for schools. And, and we build a greater bond because now we feel like we're connected, yet we're different, right? And, and sometimes we discover that, you know, there's an issue that we never thought about because we, we didn't vocalize that. And I think conversation continues to develop and then it becomes to action. And if we can take that conversation and create an action that's thoughtful, and that's meaningful, we end up seeing change and positive change, positive change for the families, positive change for the student. Um, and, and it's definitely something that, that all of us should really continue to take part in um, constantly is to stay open to communication. I, I actually just recently during COVID, uh, during this time when students were not at school and they were all virtual, everyone was attending virtually. But we had moments here and there where we could meet with administration because we had to pick up paperwork or we had to do something, right? I went to my local high school that my kids attend, and I literally, as, as a higher ed institution going to this school district, and literally said, I feel for all of you. I understand how different this must feel. And thank you for trying your best to stay connected when you don't have the natural way of connecting with your students. My, my children, when they walk the halls, you got to say hello every morning and connect with them, learn about them, discover them. Today you don't, but that's a bond between us. And now we can work together and we try to create those bonds, create opportunities. So I think when it comes down to secondary, there's moments like that, plus so many others, simply because we've tried to sit with you and have a nice conversation, stay connected. Um, so that would be my advice for... for um... So even though there isn't formal communication pathways that are established it's not that you're not or higher education specifically isn't isn't willing to to have these conversations at the campus level or at your level um you, you just have to facilitate that conversation from the from the secondary level and so for parents maybe the take-home would be if there isn't any sort of or knowing that there that there isn't um a direct communication pathway to to speak through the administration of the school to to reach out um, to to a higher education institution to to uh, develop that relationship. Oh yeah, I mean they can encourage. I mean I, I, there's so many times that I told I told parents I'm like if you really love what we're doing because I have some like you're doing amazing things, share it with your administration. Go tell your principal, your your superintendent, whoever. And let them know about us and the experience that you have, because they may not know and they may want to have a partnership like that, but we never thought about it. And they go build it. And then next thing you know, they're connecting and, and we begin to develop a, a relationship because we dive in a little deeper. We go ask those tough questions of each other. But what we're doing is really building a bond. We're helping them understand we're in the same boat you are. We're just at a different stage of it. And so we need to understand what your families are dealing with. And are now, coincidentally, one of your families came to you and told you, this is amazing. You might want to connect. And when we bridge, then greater things can happen. So I think 
informal conversations can lead to formal relationships that will really develop and improve our communities and improve our relationships. And they can start small and grow wide. And that's the amazing part. It can, it all has to start with just one brave comment to say, I'm going to take an extra five minutes and I'm going to reach out to the person and hopefully it, it plays itself out. Well, and then on the other end, once you have that conversation, taking an additional five minutes to share that conversation with other folks, that could be valuable too as well. Well, I honestly, I think that finishes my question. So Pedro, I really want to thank you for coming on the Future College Parent Podcast and being guest number three of our first six episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. I appreciate it and I love being a part of it and answering the questions. And I hope that uh, all the parents feel uh, that this was supportive and helpful. Do you now understand what I meant about Pedro being genuine? I really appreciate Pedro sharing his narrative of being Hispanic from a small town and the struggles he faced growing up. He's proof you can come from anywhere and do anything. Now he lives and breathes his work, helping students access Cal Poly Humboldt. I know there's so much to discuss here, and I want to share with you five things I learned from my talk with Pedro. Number one, Cal Poly Humboldt currently admits over 90% of students who apply. Most of these students have met the California Department of Education graduation requirements referred to as the A through G course list. Congratulations, your student can attend a public four-year institution. Now, if you're worried your student won't exactly meet one or more of the admissions requirements, reach out to admissions counselors at an institution. They are trained to work with you to develop a pathway to admission. Listeners outside of the state of California can check their local school district or state education department website for their state's graduation and higher education institutional requirements for admission. Number two, check your local high school administration to see if they have connections with colleges, both local and beyond. If they don't, ask them to help you make the connection to a school. Number three, applying to a college isn't just about applying and going. Remember Pedro's funnel analogy, starting with good high school preparation and gaining an understanding of your ability and willingness to pay for college, your student can then apply and follow the steps to be proactive and make sure they are on the path from preparation through admission to course registration. Number four, ask a potential school where you as a parent fit in. Often we hear in the popular media of over-involved parents wreaking havoc on campuses. This does not have to be the case for you. Ask the question about where you can provide support both from afar and when you visit the campus. And number five, say thank you to your high school faculty, staff, and administrators. They create the environment for your student to be academically and personally successful. We cannot thank them enough for the work that they do. What did you learn? Yes, I'm giving you homework again. Please head to futurecollegeparent.com where you can access the Future College Parent Network and post what you learned by listening to this episode and engage with other listeners so we can learn together. Also at futurecollegeparent.com, you can access the show notes for a wealth of information on the items we discussed during the episode and check out all of our social platforms. While you're at it, please share the podcast widely to other parents, leaders of activities your student is involved in, and your school administrators so they can share with your school district. Also, you can let parents know the show is streaming directly from the website and there's no need to download anything. Just point your browser to futurecollegeparent.com and enjoy. The show is also on your favorite podcast platforms as well. 
I want to thank Mr. Pedro Martinez for coming on the show. I hope you'll join me for episode four with Ms. Suzanne Gluck, guidance counselor at East Williston Union Free School District. After listening to the premiere, be on the lookout for new episodes beginning on Wednesday, May 4th and continuing Wednesdays every two weeks after. Thanks for listening to the Future College Parent Podcast. Mm. I wanted to mention, not only was this episode really rich and great information, it also inspired me to eat some pizza. Mm. I like mushrooms on my pizza. I think you should treat yourself to a slice if you can. See you for episode four. Mm. Man, that's good.